welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Well, Happy New Year. I feel like I should do like a, like a move after that. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, the Dougie. <laughs> Well, Happy New Year to you. Have you made it to 2023? Way to go. Hey, a real quick uh, informal poll. How many of you uh, stayed up till midnight to watch, like to go in, raise your hand if you went to 2023? It's like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. Dude, there were more partiers in the 909 than in the, you guys, so what does that say? <laughs> Fostoria, we're glad you guys are with us today, and yeah, I wonder how you guys did on staying up or whatnot. I personally, uh, I was horizontal by 8.30 and asleep by 9, so uh, it was a great way to bring in the new year. I loved it. It was fantastic. So uh, really glad that you're with us today on the very first day of 20. 23. And as Josh mentioned, um, we're going to look just real briefly uh, at an account in Acts 13 of a church that was early in its beginning. This is a church in Antioch that had got started there, and God was doing remarkable things. And so there's all of this anticipation and excitement of of what God was going to do uh, through this church in this city. Uh, Everybody was excited about the start of something new. And so when you look at Acts 13, I'm going to start right here in verse 1. It says, Among the prophets and the teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod uh, Antipas, and Saul. And one day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Just real quick, I want to just notice a few things out of this passage that I think are important for us today. The first is that it was normal for these believers to gather together. That is a normal part of their living, is to simply be together. It was normal for them to worship together and to celebrate the greatness of God and his character. It was normal for these believers to fast together, right? It, and, and all of these things together, it was making them very sensitive to the voice of God, to the leading of the Holy Spirit in their lives, so sensitive that they actually heard God calling some of them into this new special work. And so what did they do? They prayed and fasted some more. That's what they did. And then they stepped into obedience and did what God asked them to do. And so as I think about that, we're in the beginning of something new. We're at the beginning of a new year, right? And, and for some of us, there's like lots of hope and anticipation and excitement about what this new year may bring, what God has in store for us. We've gathered here together in worship and, and I'm just thinking, like, how amazing would it be is to start our year off very clearly seeking the Lord and even hearing from Him through Scripture or through prayer or through the wise counsel of other growing disciples. What's interesting is that that which was normal for these first disciples, worship, prayer, fasting, right, is something that... As, as a whole today, we, we're fairly unfamiliar with and actually can be very uncomfortable with, right? 
uh, when, when we think about worship and music, uh, many times people hold the view, well, like, well, that's like the music is the opening act for the, you know, for the teaching. And then it warms the crowd up and gets us all in the mood. And that's, that's our view of, of worship. Um, you know, prayer largely may be simply just, you know, asking God for something in an emergency or, or listening to someone else pray as we think about other things. Um, while they pray collectively. And then fasting, it's like, that's when you got to get blood work done in the morning, or you need to shed a few pounds, right? Like, that's, that's really when we fast more than anything else. And so a lot of this stuff we're a little bit unfamiliar with, even uncomfortable and awkward with. And so when the Bible talks about these spiritual activities, we're largely in the dark, We're not really sure how to engage. We don't really know what that looks like. And so today, what I want to do is I want to show you from the Bible what prayer and fasting are. And then I want to invite you to join me and and others who were starting 2023 with 21 days of seeking God first through prayer and fasting. And so uh, we started in Acts 13, but I'm going to ask you to go to Genesis chapter 4 And then while you're going there, find Matthew 6 and just kind of put your finger in there and hold that place. We're actually going to be in a lot of places of Scripture today, so be ready to to go to those places with me or click there on your phone as we talk about seeking God through prayer and through fasting. So let me share a few things that I think you're just going to want to know about prayer and about fasting. Uh, And I'll just kind of get everybody in, uh, dialed in for a second here in the house. If you're joining us at another location, I want everybody to say the word prayer. Say prayer. Prayer. Good. Or type that in the chat if you're joining us there. Uh, Prayer. Here's what prayer is. Prayer is a simple, heartfelt conversation with God. That's it. That's, That's prayer. Prayer is simply talking to God. Prayer is listening to God. It is a conversation. And there are all kinds of ways to pray, but at its irreducible minimum, it's a conversation. The first place that you actually see prayer being mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 4, verse 26. Uh, what has happened is, uh, that right before then, you've got the account of Cain killing Abel, um, and then you know Cain taking his next steps, his uh, ancestors Lamech, uh, as well as Eve giving birth to a third son by the name of Seth. And at Genesis 4.26, you see this passage. It says, at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. And so most scholars agree this is when prayer is really starting to take place. And then as you go forward, all throughout the Old Testament, you see different kinds of prayers. You see prayers asking for God's help or asking for God's guidance. You see prayers celebrating God's character. You see prayers of lament, seeking comfort for trials that they're going through. You see prayers of dedication and commitment. You even see prayers begging for justice to be doled out. And then when you cross into the New Testament, it's there that Jesus exposes this new level of prayer that you don't really see in the Old Testament. Jesus begins to pray to God, not as the sovereign, not as the king, not as the creator, but he begins to pray to God as Father. Nobody's really doing this prior to this moment. He's actually praying to God as Abba, which is this very dear term of, uh, of, of daddy or papa, uh, just very, very close. This is the prayer that Jesus is praying. 
And he begins to bring it home to a new level. This is not some far-off God who's in his throne and removed from our situations, but this is a father who is near. He's present. He's close. And you need to know that God wants you to pray to him. He wants you to pray to him. God wants you to ask him for wisdom. He wants you to ask him to be the one to supply your needs and the situations you're going through. God wants you to pray and rely on him for the daily situations you face. God wants you to pray for other people who are going through battles in their lives. You are not bothering God when you pray. In fact, when you pray, like a father who's very interested in his kids, he comes in close and says, yes, what do you have to say? Tell me what's on your heart, what's on your mind. I already know, but I want to hear it from you, right? This, this is what prayer is. And I think there is a level that we're kind of afraid of prayer. And one of the reasons I think we're afraid of prayer at times is because we wonder. And we wonder this. If I pray, what if God doesn't answer my prayer? What then? What does that say about God? What does that say about me if God won't answer my prayer? And so I think we're afraid of that. I also think another fear, maybe it's bigger than God not answering your prayer, is we go, what if God does answer my prayer? Do, do I really want to hear what God has to say in response to my prayer? Do I really want to know what his will is? Do I really want to walk in submission to his will? Do I want his answer to my prayer? And so there's like all wrapped up in there. And listen, when we're thinking about prayer, I think prayer is far more about aligning our will with God's will than anything else. I think it's about us coming into it. Like, I'm off here bebopping, doing my own thing. And I think prayer is this opportunity to come into alignment with God's leadership and God's will instead of me out doing whatever it is that I want to do. Prayer is very, very powerful. And learning how to step into that right, can change your very life. That's prayer. We're going to jump quickly over to fasting. Everybody here in the room joining the story, everybody say fasting. All right, type it in the chat if you're online with us. So fasting is simply this. It's abstaining from food or drink for a period of time. That's what fasting is. Uh, when you look through the Bible, the most common amount of time that a fast takes place is one day. That's the most common when you read through there. You'll also see uh, fasting for three days. You'll see fasting for seven days. And in a couple of very extreme situations, which I don't think are like normative for all of us to engage in, but you'll see 40 days of fasting uh, taking place in the lives of a couple of people, right? And, and the first time that you actually do see fasting mentioned is in Exodus chapter 34, verse 28. Uh, Moses is on the mountain. He is receiving the law from God. And it says, so he was there with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. And, and I don't know if it's so much that Moses said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do a 40-day fast before I, you know, my time with the Lord. I wonder if there's a level that he got into the presence of God and he just forgot to eat and drink. Like it just, have you ever done it? You've been so engrossed in something, you go, oh, I didn't even eat today, right? You get to the end of the day and you realize I never even had a meal. I wonder if that's what's going on. 
that Moses was so overwhelmed in the presence of the Lord that he just simply forgot. And literally, God was sustaining him during that time period when they were together on the mountain. Now, again, as you read through the Bible, you, you always see fasting coupled with something else. It's never just by itself. It's never just fasting for fasting's purposes. But you'll see fasting coupled with uh, grief or mourning, like you do in Job's life, right? Job loses everything, and he fasts, and he mourns his loss. Uh, when Jonah finally does make it to Nineveh, and he preaches the message that God asked him to do, Nineveh's response was to fast in partnership with repentance, right? To show that they were turning away from their sinful lives. Um, when you look in Matthew chapter 4, prior to Jesus' temptation face-to-face with Satan, he fasted and prayed for 40 days in the desert, right? Spending time with the Lord. And by the time you get to the book of Acts, you see, as we read, that the early church has coupled fasting with worship as well as prayer, seeking God's guidance for them as a community and what they would do together following the Lord's will. And so you have to see that fasting is, it's, it, when you look at the scriptures, it really is a central piece to spiritual growth. It's a central piece to, to re- learning how to rely on the Lord. I think overwhelmingly, when we talk specifically about fasting and prayer, and you put those things together, this is about intentionally putting yourself in a position to depend on God. I think that's what prayer and fasting, getting sandwiched together, is about intentionally putting yourself in a position to depend on God alone and expressing your need for him in a very raw way. Right? And so before we cross into the how of prayer and fasting, I want to just very quickly talk about motivation behind that. Because in Matthew chapter 6, if you, if you flip over there now, you'll see that Jesus does a teaching on fasting and on prayer. And Jesus said that if your motivation for prayer and for fasting is so that you can be seen by other people to impress them, if that's your motivation, if your motivation is to show people how spiritual you are, how amazing you are, how dedicated you are over and above anybody else, if your goal is to impress other people with prayer and fasting, Jesus said, when people see you, that's your reward. That's the only reward you'll receive. That's what you wanted, and that's what you'll get. And in the process, you end up forfeiting any blessing and anything that you would receive from the Lord in that regards, right? Learning how to rely on him, having this closeness of relationship, discovering more about who he is, all of that stuff goes to the side because you received your reward of what you wanted, which is that people would notice me and people would see me, Right? Another wrong motivation in prayer and fasting is, uh, is to try to manipulate God into doing what you want him to do, right? There's this thought, there's this view that if I pray and I fast and I do it the right way, then I can unlock the blessings of God and he is now in my debt and he must do what I ask him to do, right? It's like, the Lord <laughs> must do my bidding <laughs> because I fasted and prayed. And, and so, right, if, if that's, that, that's just a misapplication of Scripture and understanding of prayer and fasting, right? So, so what, what, are, what are true motivations for prayer and fasting? Uh, I, think, I think one of them is that you just, you just want to know God more fully than you've ever known him before. And prayer and fasting seems to be an avenue 
to walk down to get there. You want to discover more about his character. You, you want to know more about his plan so that you, so what you begin doing is you intentionally seek him out through prayer and through scripture and through meditation and through fasting, right? That's, I just want to know him more. I think another motivation is that you want to increase in your dependence on God. You actually want to learn how to rely on him more. Not how to rely on him less, but actually to learn how to rely on him more. And so, right, you, like, you want to discern his will for your life, for your community. Or maybe, maybe you know you're getting ready to enter into one of the most challenging seasons of your life. Maybe you got the diagnosis. Maybe you got the news. Maybe you got the letter. Maybe you got the whatever, and you know you're getting ready to head into one of the most difficult seasons of your life that you can ever remember, and I want to rely on him like never before. And so I turn to prayer, and I turn to fasting so that I can learn how to rely on him now that when the heat really does get applied... I'm ready and prepared to rely on him even then as well. Wesley Duell, who is the former president of One Mission Society, actually an organization that we have done uh, mission trips with, um, both regionally and globally, uh, he wrote this. He said that fasting in the biblical sense is choosing not to partake of food because your spiritual hunger is so deep. Your determination in intercession so intense or your spiritual warfare so demanding that you have temporarily set aside even fleshly needs in order to give yourself to prayer and meditation. He says that's the driving force behind prayer and fasting, is to learn how to see and to rely and depend on God more than you ever have before. And so uh, prayer and fasting are powerful tools that teach us how to rely on God more, and actually how to rely on ourselves less. So what I want to invite you to do is I want to invite you to consider starting your 2023 with 21 days of prayer and fasting, seeking God first from the very beginning of the year. And so uh, let me just really quickly talk about how I think that plays out. I think the first place that starts is you make a decision. I'm, I'm in, right? I am joining this thing. I am going to pursue the Lord through prayer and fasting and scripture and meditation. I am doing this, right? Or quite frankly, the other side of that, I'm not. I'm not doing this. I don't think this is for me. But I think vacillating between back and forth, right? I think you just make the decision, I'm doing this and I'm, and I'm going after that. And then after that decision, I think the second place is to go here, is I think you have to ask the Lord. You ask the Holy Spirit, what would you have me to fast? What would you have me to give up out of my life right now? Now, the chances are good that if you ask the Holy Spirit that, what he is going to do very, very quickly, you actually don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about it, but the Holy Spirit will very quickly put his finger on time wasters in your life, right? Some of you are already thinking of those time wasters right now, and you haven't even prayed yet, right? Isn't that remarkable how the Holy Spirit does that? But these are activities that have taken up residency in your life uh, just kind of out of habit. And, and quite frankly, if you were to take uh, an audit of the way you spend your time and, and you go, hey, why do you do that? You go, I don't know. I just do that. It's just 
It's just habit. I just I do that, right? And so it would be the easy things, right, uh, that you can kind of pick on in these moments. It's like, you know, kind of just scrolling the social media and seeing what, you know, wonderful lives everybody else is living compared to your own personal miserable life, right? Um, it could be binge-watching, you know, the TikTok videos and things like that. It could be a hobby that's taken over, and you've spent, like, so much of your time and your energy and your resources, like, playing this thing out. And quite frankly, it could be anything, but one way that you can tell that the Holy Spirit is touching on something significant for you to remove from your life is when he does identify it, you will rationalize why you need to keep it. Right? You'll go, but, but Lord, I, I, if, I, if I leave social media for three weeks, how will I keep up with all my friends and family, the people that I love? I have no other way to connect with the people that I love except to scroll on the social media, right? Lord, I can't give that up. There's no way I can't do without it. I just watch the videos to relax. If I don't have a way to relax you, then what will I do? I'm going to be stressed and frazzled and people won't be around. You won't want to be around me, Lord. You wouldn't want me without those videos, right? <laughs> right? You know, I was thinking about it. You know, for, for Christine and I, one of the things we tend to do before we, we go to sleep is we just like watch an episode of a show. Uh, and it started out a long time ago. We just watched Bob Ross, right? Like we watched one episode of Bob Ross painting, you know, wonderful. And then you run out of episodes because he's not making new episodes, by the way. Uh, and, so, and so you move to a new show because it's what you do. And I was thinking about that. It's like we just watch a show because that's what we do. And actually what ends up happening is then because we're watching the show and you got to know what happens next, you got to watch another show. And then I'm now staying up way later than I wanted to. And, and it's throwing me all off. Why? It's just, it's habit. It's time waster, right? That's, that's what it is. And so uh, she found out during the 909 online is that this may be one of the things that I'm going to give up that we'll do together, <laughs> you know, <laughs> over the next 21 days. She came in before the service. I said, hey, did you see the 909? She's like, yep. <laughs> You got some explaining to do, Lucy. Uh, so, but, but you might also do, as, as well as like giving up some of those things, you might also choose to fast like a day a week. You might choose to fast one meal a day. You might choose to fast a meal a couple of days a week. Um, and the reason I'm talking about it, I think, is when we fast food, that is a powerful statement. When we fast food, that is a very powerful statement because we are affirming the passage from Deuteronomy chapter 8 that Jesus quoted in Matthew 4 when he was facing temptation with Satan. Uh, actually, let's read this passage out loud together from Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is the passage that Jesus quoted starting with man does not live. Are you ready? Go. Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so when we fast food, what we're saying is, I want the Lord more than the very thing that I know keeps me alive. Because what you're doing is you're saying, actually, it's the Lord who keeps me alive. The fact that I'm even able to breathe, that was just a gift from the Lord that he gave to me, right? And I would rather have him than anything else that I can get my hands on which leads to another important aspect about fasting. Fasting is not only about giving up and removing, but it's also about replacing and adding, okay? And so 
when you remove Instagram, when you remove TV, when you remove eating, what you do is you replace that with seeking the Lord. And so instead of scrolling social media, I'm scrolling the scriptures. So I want to know what God has to say. Instead of looking to the screen, I'm looking to the Lord in prayer. And I want to hear his voice. And when you do that, it's very important that you know how to seek the Lord. Right? That's, that's critical. Right? It's one of the things that we've got to understand because as we're removing, we've also got to replace with something else. And so to help you think about seeking the Lord intentionally, we've provided two guides uh, that we will make available to you. Uh, one of them is reading through the entire New Testament over 21 days. That's one of them. The other guide is actually a scripture meditation guide. It's one passage a day, and you simply meditate and you think deeply on what that passage is saying. So one is very, very fast, and the other one is slow-paced. I would encourage you, if you're going to jump on one of those, choose one or the other. Uh, probably wouldn't do both at the same time, unless you're like an overachiever and you're trying to prove something. Uh, you know, then, you know, make, I still think it's a bad idea. Uh, but anyways, uh, so those are, those are available to you. And, and no matter which guide you use, or if you use a total, because you, you may have another Bible reading plan that you want to engage in, you have to understand that reading the Bible is way more than simply reading the words on a page or sharing the verse of the day on Facebook with the other people that you know, right? It's way, way more than that. Actually, when you're reading the Bible, you should be asking questions of the Scripture as you're reading along. Right? So it should be questions like, what is this passage teaching me about who God is? What, what, what's he like? What's he love? What's his character? What is this displaying about who he is? You can also ask questions like, what is this verse, what is this passage teaching me about what Jesus has accomplished on the cross and out of the grave? What does it say about his death? What does it say about his resurrection? One of my favorite questions to ask myself as I'm reading through the scriptures is I simply ask the Lord, what do I believe and what do I do that's in opposition to what this passage is teaching me? Yes, ooh. Yeah, that's right. Ooh is right, right? Like when I start, at, the Holy Spirit begins to uncover, right, just things in my life that I did not even realize, that I believed and that I did that were clearly in opposition to what the teaching of Scripture is. Because when you do that, as you're reading, what you're doing is you're inviting the Holy Spirit to reveal you to yourself. He's not revealing you to God. God already knows who you are, right? Go ahead and try to hide stuff from God. See how far you get going with that. But rather, the Holy Spirit is revealing you to yourself, right? And as you read, you discover the truth about God to rejoice over. As you read, you discover truth about yourself to confess and repent of. As you read, you'll discover the Holy Spirit renewing your mind, transforming your life more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. One of the things that, that reading the Bible has seemed to always do for me for, for, for many, many years is it seems to always lead me right into prayer. It's almost like I can't even, I end up in prayer and I don't even realize it sometimes. I'm just there. And what I think the reason is because the Bible actually gives me content and guidance on what to pray for, right? And so I learned something from 
a German monk named Martin Luther, and he taught, right? Maybe you've heard of this guy before, time or two. Uh, it's a church with his name on it. But, um, so, but I learned from him. He had this favorite way to use the scriptures and pray. What he would do is he would read a passage, and he would discern the truth of that passage. What is this passage teaching? And he would spend time just asking the Lord to reveal that to him and studying and looking at the passage, all that stuff. But he would figure out the truth of that passage. And then he would take the truth of that passage and he would spend time just praising the Lord for the truth of that passage. And maybe his, God's character became clear from that. And so he would worship the Lord for his character of holiness or goodness or mercy or justice or wrath or whatever it may be. He'd spend time worshiping him. And then that time of worship would lead him to confession using that truth, Right? And so maybe he would confess, like, I, I think I'm more powerful than you are, Lord. I, I think I'm in more control than you are, right? Whatever the truth of that passage, he would let the Holy Spirit uh, search out his mind and his life on in the ways that he's living in opposition to that. And then he would land on asking for himself, for his family, for his church, for whoever. And he would simply ask using the truth of that passage. And, and as I've done that, I've learned that the content of my prayers have greatly like widened and deepened to ways that I never would have prayed on my own if I'm just praying the things that I'm thinking about and the things that are on my mind. But actually, the Holy Spirit is guiding me in a different way. So that's one way that you could use the scriptures to pray. Uh, another way you could pray is using a, a model that you're probably maybe familiar with if you've spent a little bit of time in the church, and that's the ACTS uh, acronym of prayer, and which simply stands for adore, confess, thank and then, you know, the word you probably use 10 times a day already, supplicate. And so, right, and that, that just means ask. Because it can't be acta, it's got to be acts. Uh, and so, uh, supplicate, supplication, that's asking. And so, very similar, right? Adoring, worshiping the Lord for who he is, confessing sin in your life, thanking him for the ways he's moved, he's blessed, he's given, his generosity, and then asking uh, for, you know, guidance and wisdom and his leadership for yourself, your family, other people that you know. Uh, and then a third way you might use to pray is actually using the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6. And so uh, I'm not sure that the Lord's Prayer, that Jesus gave that to us so much as something to be recited and, and repeated multiple times a day throughout the day, you know, those exact words. Um, I think we can do that, but I also think he gave that to us as a model for prayer, right? And so what you can do is actually use the different phrases and sentences from that prayer to shape what you pray for, how you praise, or how you worship, et cetera, et cetera. So you might start out with the, you know, our Father. You could stop right there, right? It's like, Lord, I thank you that you're not just my Father alone, and it's only you and me, but actually I'm a part of this larger family, uh, not only at my home church, but actually globally, that everybody who's a believer of Christ, that's my brother, that's my sister, and, and we're walking in unity, even though we've never met each other before. Right? I praise you for that power. And maybe you even confess, like, Lord, I get really like myopic. I get really focused on me all the time when I pray and when I think about life. But you're reminding me right now that I'm a part of an hour, and it's not just me and mine. Right? You see how literally just taking that phrase, we didn't even get two words into the Lord's Prayer, and you can spend all kinds of time worshiping, confessing, uh, asking, right? all of that, leveraging the Lord's Prayer in that way. But I would encourage you over the next 21 days, learn how to read the Bible thoughtfully. Learn how to pray, right? Because that's, that's what prayer and fasting is really about. It's learning how to discover ways that we can rely on God that we never did before. 
And it's actually what we were made for. It's what we were created to do, is to rely on God. And so I, I want to invite everybody here in the house at any of our other locations at Lighthouse Online is I would invite you to consider starting your 2023 with 21 days of seeking God first through prayer and through fasting. And if you decide that you want to do that, let me know on your connection card. Just hit that box. Um, let me know. Uh, I'll send some resources to you, that those guides, um, and you can leverage uh, some of those to help you take next steps. But the other thing too is, I just I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you over these next 21 days by name um, to come alongside of you in the journey as you're seeking the Lord too. Because I'm there with you, right? Like, you know, TV late at night, that's just one aspect for me uh, where it's like there are so many other things I've been thinking the last couple of days. It's like, yeah, that's got to go, that's got to go, that's got to go. Um, some of you have to go. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Um, but listen, I, I know we're talking about like this community fast that we're all doing together. And for some of you, it immediately brings up like suspicions. Because you remember being a part of a church that every time in the same time of the year, the whole church is required to do this fasting time. And if you didn't, then, you know, it was wrong and it was bad and you were less than. And so I get that there's like some baggage with some of that with some of us from our backgrounds. And, and if you're kind of resistant and suspicious about this whole thing, I would say this, this, this may not be the right next step for you. And that's okay, right? It really is. But I do want to talk to those of you who you have been feeling frustrated in your spiritual journey for some time. And you have been trying to figure out, why is my relationship with the Lord so much different than his relationship to the Lord, her relationship to the Lord? They seem, they seem closer. They seem like they're walking in joy. They seem like they're, and I'm not. I want to talk to those of you who are like thinking about 2023 and you're going, this, this, I am so excited to learn how to rely on the Lord like I never have before. I think this is a year where I discover my true dependence on God like never before. And I can't wait to see how God is going to use us. I want to talk to those of you who you know already before January 1st, 12 o'clock on the dot in one second, you knew that the start of 2023 was probably going to be one of the most challenging years you face. It's going to make 2020 and 2021 look like a chomp, right? Because you got the letter, you got the phone call, you got the diagnosis, you got the whatever, right? I want to invite you into something that has the potential to open up your relationship with God in a whole new level like never before. I am not saying that this is a silver bullet, and if you engage in this thing, it's going to solve all of your problems. What I will say is it actually might uncover things you didn't even know were issues and problems in your life, and you're now walking in a new place in light that never, never before. But what I would say is this. God made a promise to you. It's found in James chapter 4, verse 8. And the promise to you is this. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That is his promise to you. And I just wonder, what might 2023 look like for you, drawing closer to the Lord than you ever have before in your life and knowing that he's drawing closely to you as well? 
What kind of freedom from sin might you experience? What kind of freedom from guilt that has been hanging over top of you for years might you find freedom from? What renewed faith in trusting and relying on the Lord could be waiting for you in 2023 that has the potential to change everything? I'm simply inviting you to seek the Lord together as a family. I want to invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes at all of our locations, and I simply want you to ask this question we ask every Sunday, and it's, Jesus, what are you saying to me through this message? And I want you to listen to him. Maybe, maybe the Lord is inviting you to let go of some things that you thought you, could, you couldn't do without. Maybe the Lord is inviting you to actively pursue Him as you resist sin that has been plaguing you for weeks, months, maybe even years. What's He saying to you? We're going to transition into um, a time of prayer, but different than what we've done in the past, because we're going to enter into a time of the Lord's Supper as well. And so let me just set up the Lord's Supper real quick before we enter into prayer. Um, this, the Lord's Supper, it's, it's way more than ritual. It's way more than routine or habit. This is something that Jesus asked us as believers to engage into as a very tangible reminder that it costs something real for us to be saved by grace through faith. It costs the body and blood of the Son of God. And this is this real reminder for those who have said yes to Jesus. And so as the bread is being crushed between our teeth, we're reminded that Jesus was crushed for our iniquities and our sins. As the drink goes down, we're reminded that blood was spilled for us. And without that, there is no forgiveness of sin. And we're, we're reminded that Jesus is the final, ultimate sacrifice for all sin, for all time, and there is no more sacrifices required for forgiveness of sin. It is all found in Christ. In fact, that's what his resurrection was about, is that God affirmed Jesus' sacrifice as the final full payment and raised him from the dead. All of that is wrapped up in the Lord's Supper. And so what's going to happen? Uh, well, I've got some friends who are going to help serve that. Stevie and Kristen Sandoval are going to come, and they're going to have the elements ready. They're going to be standing at the openings of the aisles here at the front. And in just a moment, uh, after we pray, you're going to come to the front and receive those elements, both cups. There's, there's two cups stacked on top of each other. One is the bread, one is the juice, so make sure you grab both. And you'll return back to your seats from the outside aisles. And, and wait to take those until everybody uh, has taken, uh, or until everybody has that, and we'll take communion together. 
And then the only other thing I would say is this, is that Lighthouse, we have what's known as, as open communion. And so that means you don't have to be a member of our church family to celebrate the Lord's Supper today. What you do need to be is you do need to be a member of God's family through genuine faith in Jesus Christ uh, to celebrate this moment. And so I want to invite you to do that. And so uh, here in the house um, at Fostoria, you may be getting some instructions there. So I'm going to pass that over to the leaders uh, at your location. But here I'm going to ask everybody in the house to stand. And we're actually going to spend our time in prayer together. We are going to pray the prayer that Christians have been praying together for thousands of years. Uh, it's known as the Lord's Prayer. And so it's going to be on the screen because I know we all have memorized it differently. Some of y'all are debtors, some of y'all are trespassers, some of y'all are whatevers. And so we're going to have some unity uh, in that this morning. And so uh, it'll be on the screen and we'll just pray this prayer out loud together, beginning with our Father in heaven. Are you ready? Go. Our Father in heaven, your name is holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. As you're ready, I want to invite you to come forward and receive the elements, and then we'll take communion together. Stay standing when you go back to your seats, please. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.